Hi, everybody. Welcome back to our podcast. Uh, I know, right? And uh, this uh, time, um, we're revisiting a subject that we talked about a few months ago, and that is uh, the idea of artificial intelligence and how it affects recruiting. I get so many of you, and, and I actually sent this email to our guest, um, I get so many of you saying what this member said to me. How long will it be before our clients go, Alexa, find me an accounting manager? And I get that some of you are scared. So um, rather than uh, me uh, pontificating based on uh, things that I read, I thought I'd get an expert. Um, and so we're talking to the uh, CEO and founder of Bullhorn, Art Pappas. Uh, there's nobody on this call who's heard me advocate for Bullhorn. You know I'm a, I've been a user forever. There's nobody on this call that hasn't if not used Bullhorn every day, um, has heard about it. Um, they're the big guys, right? 7,000 companies, um, Art employs 600 people. Um, they are the big 800-pound gorilla in the staffing area. But um, Art, I want to start with this. Um, I remember you when you were first coming to conferences, and I realize you now will see this as a compliment. Back then, you would have thought it was an insult. But, dude, you were probably 25 and you looked 11. And you were trying to get people <laughs> to consider this new thing you called bullhorn. Um, and you were the small guy in the space trying to break through. And not only did I find, you know, you appealing from a personal uh, basis, you clearly knew your stuff. Um, but you reminded me of... I remember what it was like to have myself, three recruiters, and being the new guy in the block and trying to convince people that they should give Danny Kale and Hobson Associates a chance. And now, just a couple of days ago, a recruiter came in and said uh, that a client said, you're Hobson, you're huge, you don't have time for me, I only hire two people a year. And now I'm selling against the guy I used to be. Um, yeah. Right. And I wonder if yeah. at any time you're nostalgic. I mean, this journey of yours has been amazing. And, and Bullhorn is the most innovative company, probably in the history of technology companies and recruiting. Um, and I'm sure you're proud of that. But I wonder if sometimes you wake up and go, man, it was fun to, to just be the rogue new guy. You miss those days at all? I, at times, Danny, I do. I do. I get nostalgic. Um, and then I, I remember what it was really like, and it was, <laughs> it, it was really, really hard. It was and, hard, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you have a hand-to-hand -hand combat in every deal, and, and the customer would say, well, you know, we want to come visit your facility, and you panic because your facility was like, you know, seven people in a tiny little office, and you'd call your friends and say, I have a customer coming. Can you come and hang out in our office and make it look <laughs> like we have more than seven people? I mean, it was, it was you know, the, those were the good old days, but, uh, but right. in a way, right. it's, it's, it is, you know, having fun, a lot of fun right now, too. So, but yeah, well, yeah I mean, and that's, that's part of why I wanted you to come on because, you yeah. know, I, mean, I think everybody who's in the industry knows, uh, I mean, we're literally talking a day after Bullhorn acquired Talent Rover and Job Science um, and, and engaging with the people that are on the Salesforce platform. And I read it and I thought, well, that is pure and classic art. Like you always have your pulse on where the ecosystem of recruiting is, where it's going. Um, you obviously decided these people would add uh, to the panoply of, of Bullhorn. Um, so I wanted you on 
I mean, congratulations on that, by the way. But I wanted you on because I know that you have to consider where the recruiting industry is going. You're running a technology company. And frankly, you know, when I ask about where the, the industry is going to some owner who's trying to make placements, well, they they want to believe that it's not going to affect us at all. Or they want to believe, if they're failing, that it's going to change overnight. And I wanted to bring on somebody who really has to deal with these issues uh, uh, on a day-to-day -day basis. And obviously, your company's survival depends on you being really aware of future trends. Um, and I'm sure the talent over in job science acquisition was part of that, right? Yeah, I think for for us, we have to look at what do customers want today? And the you know, talent rover job science is a good example. For years, you know, we had said, look, the Bullhorn platform is the place to be. It's purpose built for staffing. It's a, you know, it, the user interface is, is optimized for the workflow of the recruiter. And every nook and cranny of that thing is, is designed with the recruiter and the staffing professional in mind. And it's got this ecosystem of partners that's unparalleled that are recruiting specific. And for years, you know, customers would tell us, you know, that's great, but I really want to, I want to be on Salesforce. And we kind of said, you know, why, why would you want to do that? And, and for years we, we sort of ignored it. And then, um, you know, salesforce.com has become this sort of force of, of nature in it. Yeah. And, yeah. and you do, and we, we started encountering buyers who just said, you know what, I, I kind of don't care what your application does at the user level. I just want to be on that, on that system. And right. so at that point we said, you know, how can we not offer customers a choice? Like that's, that's like saying, you know, we're only going to cater to one religion. Like we have, we have yep. to be able to offer choice. So that was a case of, you know, pretty simple customers want something you have to be able to offer it. And, and, you know, so so now we we do, and and we did an acquisition about uh, five months ago. Uh, that was one of our first foray into that platform, and we said that that was really successful. So we we added these two so that we could start to offer uh, that that platform in the U.S. And you know, and so that's like classic case of like you know, customer wants something, you've got to find a way to supply it. Uh, Absolutely. Okay. So that's, yeah. That's easier. The The challenge like with AI is that the customer doesn't yet know what they want artificial intelligence to do. And in fact, I'd say we're, we're really, if there's like, if artificial intelligence is, is, uh, is a, like a person, it's an infant at this point, right? Like anybody who's ever had a conversation with Siri knows that it's really limited. And exactly. sort of, exactly. it's like parlor tricks at this point, right? Like, you know, Siri, you can say, Siri, tell me a joke and she'll, she'll fire off a joke. But then, you know, you say, uh, you, tr you try and actually get her to do something when you're in the moment, you need some help. And it's like, you know, who, who the hell knows what she's talking about? You know, she's answering exactly. back something she didn't ask. Here's, she misinterpreted you, you. And so, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Let me ask if you agree with this, because here's how I've had it explained to me. Um, if we put artificial intelligence in three buckets, uh, the first bucket being assisted artificial intelligence, which I guess we would consider more near term, that's, that means it will help the current business, probably keeping most of the current business model intact and will improve it. And then there's it's like artificial intelligence too, which is augmented, which means that 
Um, there are skills that were previously undoable um, that artificial intelligence will be able to do with sort of newer skills that we wouldn't even have considered. And then the final sort of uh, artificial intelligence state is uh, what, what they call uh, autonomon, uh, which is short for auto no man, which means no human interaction is required. Um, and you just, you know, sit around and drink my ties while artificial intelligence works around you. If we accepted those three buckets, then you're saying, we are absolutely entrenched in the first. Like we're we're still trying to figure out how to have it assist, let alone augment yeah, that's, or become automatic. I, that's a good framework. It's the, the right framework, and I think that's where we are. And if you look at all of the AI that that is happening today, a lot of it is around taking big sets of data and finding patterns. And so uh, there's a lot of good work going on in um, – in visual uh, recognition. So um, if, if anybody's got an iPhone X, the facial recognition right. does, does actually get smarter. The first time you use it, it can recognize your face, but not if you have sunglasses on. But then suddenly it recognizes you with sunglasses on. And then it can recognize you if you've got, you know, if you're wearing a hat, which that is actually the machine learning what you look like. Um, right. So there, there, there is real, there are real examples of artificial intelligence in use. Um, you know, the, these self-driving cars that are out there. Well, turns out that they can't really self-drive unless somebody's gone and mapped out the street that they're going to go on. But now you've got cars where they can kind of see the lanes on the road and they can adapt to you know, obstacles in front of them and they can apply the brake and they can steer as the road turns. We're getting closer to uh, now those things won't work, you know, uh, right. fully autonomous. Right. But we're getting closer and probably in the next 10 years, we'll have uh, we'll have like self-driving car lanes where the cars can drive and not be obstructed by, you know, by uh, idiot humans who like to apply the brakes for no reason going 70 miles an hour. <laughs> right. um, but uh you know, we're, we're still far away, but it, like if you step back and say, okay, where is it going in recruiting? What we've seen is some really interesting use cases. So we're, if, if the future is, you know, maybe 20 years out or 30 years out, you'll have recruiting done by robots. Uh, where we are today is like, there are some really interesting scenarios in which you can use automation to eliminate the work that was previously done by recruiters, and it's usually really mundane work. So um, one example is, okay, I'm, uh, I'm hiring a forklift operator for, uh, for a, uh, an assembly line, uh, and a man sorry, manufacturing, and uh, Honda Motor Corporation gonna hire uh, 10 forklift operators for second shift. So the first question that you have to ask any applicant is, are you authorized to work in the United States? Second mm -hmm. question, uh, can, you, can you operate a forklift? Yes, no. Yeah, these are yes, no questions. Third question, right. have you ever operated a, uh, you know, a you know, Jameson 142 forklift? Yes, I have. Okay. Um, how many years experience do you have? All these questions that, that usually get asked over email or phone by a recruiter um, are now being conducted, we call them knockout questions, 
are being conducted by uh, by I, I wouldn't even call it artificial intelligence. I would call it like a chat bot where yeah, you've got a right. script and it's walking the, the applicant through a series of yes, no, or short answer questions. And, and these chat bots, like, you know, they, so I'm an applicant, I apply online, a little chat dialogue pops up and it says, let me ask you some questions. I'm a robot. What's wild, Danny, is that the applicants love it. And they love it. They love it, not because they want to chat with a robot versus a human. They love it because it's super fast. So think right. about like the, the, the black hole that everybody complains about. Oh, I sent my resume and I didn't hear back, right? Because a recruiter looked at the resume and said, nah, no forklift. I'm not going to call that guy. Versus now you get this instantaneous feedback of like the little chat bot tells you what you need to get the job and if you're not a fit, it just tells you. It's like, you're not getting that job. Thank you very much. Now I can go about my day right. and, and not be wondering what the hell's wrong with Honda. I wanted that job or the, you know, the staffing firm behind it or the, the recruiting firm behind it. It's like it, that, like the instant no is better than the black hole by a long shot. And then the that's, that's interesting though because we always assume uh, when I hear owners talking about this, right? They always say, "Hey, people, people are so sick of you know calling their banks and you know calling American Express and and having to say representative, representative a hundred times." So they yeah. want you know human engagement. But what you're really saying is, no, they don't. They just want an answer. Uh, they're not. They don't necessarily need to have to be chatted up by some intriguing, charming, enthusiastic recruiter. Uh, and that's kind of a myth. This idea of well, we'll always need human recruiters because people want to have human interaction. You know, I, I have I have friends who are younger who say, you know. They have really good relationships with people that they only text. They, they have no idea, you know, what their voice sounds like. I, I think it's we, we sometimes, because we get into this whole, I don't want the world to change, um, we forget that people have different ideas of what's important. And, and it's interesting you mentioned that because I, I have an office in San Francisco where we do energy. And, and there's a lot of companies that... Again, using the term artificial intelligence, which is a catch-all, I think. But a lot of these things are just what I would call candidate engagement bots, right? Like um, yes, yeah. they'll, they'll set up interviews. They can schedule. They can, um, you know, they can, they can, they can certainly qualify. In your example, a forklift operator. And of course, it falls apart when you know Vince's answer is. Well, I, I can do second shift Mondays, Tuesdays, and Wednesdays, but um, I have a daycare issue. My wife isn't well, and um, I, I think I have some management capabilities. Uh, is there any other jobs there? I mean, yeah, it's gonna it's gonna break Error. down there, but, yeah, but right, right, exactly. Right. But it only breaks down there now, right? Like I remember years ago when I first heard about artificial intelligence, everybody said, "Yeah, but it, you know." Um, it will never replace the soul. Um, you know, uh, uh, artificial intelligence will never write a poem. And then they came out with this um, uh, uh, this Quill software package <laughs> that basically I've seen uh, Quill updates. And it's, they're not writing good poetry, don't get me wrong, but they write bad poetry, like most humans. Um, and if you had Quill say, send a rejection letter to Art Pappas, um, I defy anybody to tell a difference between Quill's rejection letter and 
the average person out of college, the average person, you know, somebody who has a gift of writing, no, Quill's not going to replace him. But I, I think people are too too soon to to just say, it can't do it now doesn't mean it can't do it later, right? Yeah, that, that's right. And I think you raise an awesome point about the texting, right? Like the fidelity of a voice call with a robot is horrible. I call right. and it's like, it's slow. It's got to listen to me. It's using voice recognition. It's trying yeah. to figure out what I said. You know, even like, you know, yes, no, I'm sorry, you're having trouble. Can you say, you know, <laughs> would you like to speak to a representative? Yes, I would. I didn't get your response. Like, right. that's hor- it's horrible. horrible. However, horrible. when I'm when I'm chatting with a with with a program with a computer program, it's like a command line. It knows exactly right. what I typed and it comes back right away. And because the response is instantaneous and it's not it's not um it's not misinterpreting my yes and it's not mis- misinterpreting my no. And if the questions are designed such that it's hard for the candidate to say maybe, um you're gonna have a very fast, like high fidelity mimicking a human interaction much greater than you know trying to interact with some fake thing you know they get the typing in the background to make it sound like you know she's actually looking something up it's ridiculous right yeah i guess yeah really they should just give up on that and what you know they should say like you know please please hang up and and use a chat bot and we'll get you to a human faster it's Mm -hmm. um it, it the chat bots do seem to be a winner and i think um you know, and we use it on our website. We have we have this thing from a local Boston company. When you go to our website, a little chat screen pops up, and it's not a human. And it, but you can interact with it, and you can ask it questions. And oh, you know, if you ask, hey, what does Bullhorn cost? It'll send you the link to the the pricing page, and you know, can I see a demo? It'll send you a link to sign up for a demo, or it'll even ask you, you know, you know, do you want somebody to call you right now? And it, it will have you do that. Um, it, it's, it's, it's rudimentary today, but to your point, I think, I think where we're going to see it go is get incrementally better. And each year, these things are going to do more and more and more. And recruiters are going to have to graduate from, you know, I, I screen resumes and I screen candidates and I, you know, I, I'm just really good at speed and, uh, efficiently marching through a pipeline and uh, winnowing that down and sending as much, you know, as many qualified candidates to my client as possible to where I think it goes is, all right, the computer identified the seven people who I do actually need to talk to live. It got one mm-hmm. of them on the phone and called me, called me first, got you know, John on the phone, and now I, I've got my two minutes to convince John that this is the right opportunity for him. And I have to be really good at that. And so to your point about poetry, uh, the, the really good recruiters who actually have a, a really good EQ and can meet people where they are and understand what, what is going to get each person excited about an opportunity, they're going to make a ton of money because the computer is going to make them faster and the people who are just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks are they're going to struggle and right. it's right. it's going to be it's going to be tough for them so they got they either got to evolve or they got to you know they got to be i don't know cleaning the computers when they break down or something like that i don't know what they're going to do and so let's let's stay with that desk level question for a second because i think um 
but it's moves it's moving so fast right so if you'd asked me a year ago i would have said it looks like uh, like the Maya virtual assistant, the Olivia virtual assistant that people talk about, that appears to be all replacing your personal assistant in a faster way, right? It's 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 sorting through profiles for you, or it's scheduling, or um, it's messaging. You know, there's a lot of repeat messaging that recruiters use that that obviously a, a, a robot can do. Um, and I would have said. It's going to source faster than you can, which is great. It's going to then hand you uh, the candidates that you've got to further qualify, get into in-depth, establish a relationship so you can close them. And I still think that's probably where we are at this minute. But it appears pretty clear to me now that, you know, AI's got bigger ambitions, right? Uh, like um, there's a company out there called Wade and Wendy that's build that whole thing is yeah. building a trail of applicants. Like the whole idea is most companies don't um, keep track of their applicants. Um, they, they, they hire them. Uh, they have a round of interviews. The four people they don't go into a database, but nobody ever uh, stays in touch with them. Nobody ever updates them. So their candidate engagement is about building a trail of applicants that you can read over and over again. There's a, a company called Screen and Harbor, um, and there's a company called Texio, and they're all about messaging and um, and it can be marketing, it can be recruiting, um, but yeah. it, it seems like yeah, there are, there are a lot of, like, there are a lot of startups. Yeah, there are a lot of startups in the ecosystem that that are doing some really interesting stuff, and and like there's Sense HQ, which is a uh, you know if you you're you're doing um, you get a bunch of folks that are coming off assignment and their assignments are going to end. It'll keep it'll nurture them and help with redeployment, and you know, it's all automated you know, messaging that, that sort of engages the talent. Um, but were, were you, were you talking about uh, going to the next step, which is like actually trying to make the match? Yeah. The Holy grail, it seems to me for artificial intelligence. And uh, honestly, I, I wish I was smart enough to figure it out myself. Um, but I remember when I first was reading about it and I went to a lecture that Fareed Zakaria gave and he said, you know, the, the, the jobs of the future can't be replaced by robots if they're about influence and judgment and perception. Like, you know, I get paid not just to uh, what I tell my recruiters right now and everybody on this calls rolling their eyes because they hear me say it all the time at, at, at conferences. But I say to tell our clients when they say, hey, I've got an internal recruiter and we pay 15 percent to tell our clients, look, the front end of our business sourcing, thanks to technology, has never been easier. The back end of our business, having that guy show up Monday it's never been harder, never, um, because they have so many more choices, because they ignore their LinkedIn messages, because they don't call back. You've got to get a referral from someone that knows them. You've got to establish a relationship. To me, the holy grail would be, can an artificial intelligence uh, get to a point where through, I don't know, a combination of vocal recognition that says, geez, your voice went up, you lying, or uh, facial recognition if it's an interview and your eyes went to the left, you're lying, or you're, you're hedging, or you're filtering. To what degree can it have some sort of effective emotional qualifying capabilities, which right now seems crazy, but will it be? Can they do yeah, that? I, I, I think that's, that's coming. I think um, they've got they've got facial recognition and uh, expression recognition 
is very, very good. And that's a, that, you know, anything where you're taking an image of a person's face and analyzing that, I would say that's, that's where the, the Facebooks and the Googles of the world have put a ton of energy and emphasis and, mm-hmm. You know, they're spending a lot of money to make sure that they can do that. You know, this, what is what is in this picture? Who is in this picture and how do they feel and what are they doing? And so there there are companies um, that have developed technology around that. And uh, and so you, you will start to get, OK, let's do a Skype interview with the candidate and, you know, let's see, do they do they have tells that give away that when you ask them about parts of their resume that yeah this was probably a push not a pull this Mm -hmm. guy this guy got fired from that job or uh he was really confident when he was speaking about sap but you asked him about workday and he he said the right things but he actually indicated that he you know his his uh his he touched his face three times, which indicated he was nervous. He's hiding something. So right. you're you're right. That's that is coming. Um, I don't People know if it's coming skills. in the next. I don't know if it's in the next two years, but it's it, computers are going to be better than than humans at catching that stuff. Um, you know, they'll kick out the false positives. You know, you certainly wouldn't want to. You know, say it. It'll be a long time before we can actually use that kind of technology to 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 vet talent and that it's legal to actually use it right because you could get right. a lot of trouble like, oh well, yeah, you get into a lot of ethical things right yeah the computer said you were lying so we didn't hire you well it turns out like computer doesn't like you know people of color that would be really bad so you know we got to we got a, a long way to go there uh but i think that's I think, very similar um, to what you're talking coming. about with the automobiles right like we have a long way to go with the automobiles like you said there'll be a the in-between stage right like right now mm-hmm. It's a scary thing, driverless cars, because fifty uh, the, the the single biggest occupation for men in America is driving something for somebody, whether it's UPS, FedEx, Uber. Um, it's the single biggest occupation for men. So imagine the impact on the economy if you took that away. But people always say that's going to be scary, but it doesn't happen like that. You know, it's like there was a time period in the early 1900s when people were were riding horses and 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 were saving for a car. Um, and then you know, yeah, 30 years later, it's like dude, if you're going to take your horse, you're embarrassing. Right? Like, you know, we don't want to be with you. So just like there'll be a driver's <laughs> lane for a while before they build the infrastructure, and whether that's five years or 20 years, you know, that's that's where my experience with this stuff, you know, I was a, I wanted to, buy, to get a cell phone in 1994 when the antennas were 12 feet high too, and it weighed 14 yeah. pounds. So I'd love to get the new stuff, but my experience is they always let you down. When they tell you it'll take three years, it takes 10, and if they take 10, it takes 30. But but there'll be that period in between, it seems to me, where, of course, we can't, if we're a big company, and we're making 200 hires, the technology is not good enough for us to say, we don't need a human interacting. Um, we, don't, we don't have the intelligence to the point where are people reading artificial intelligence, which is the ultimate sort of Cadillac product, it's good, but it's not that good. So there'll probably be this in-between period where there's a verifier of what that first line of qualifying was, and that prop, that person's probably a human before it gets to the eventual thing where the hiring authority doesn't need uh, the recruiter and can have a fully automated process, and maybe there's just somebody on staff who verifies and closes. But it'll it'll happen in in 
in increments, it seems to me, um, over a very long period of time. I, I couldn't agree more. It, it's going to be, we've got time. It's not yeah. like we're going to wake up some morning and there's going to be, there's going to be this robot sitting at your desk going, I got this. You can go home now. Um, Does it make you nervous that at some point people won't need a bullhorn because artificial intelligence replaces uh, staffing software? I think, I mean, how are you planning for this? Yeah. I think what I think more about is, is how does it impact the industry overall? People are always going to need, people are always going to need to hire, uh, hire people and they're always going to need software to help them do it. And so yep. I don't, that, that's cool until the first thing falls apart, right? When, when all of a sudden, you know, you get a company that like uh, Honda who says, I, I actually don't need to hire anyone. Like I, the robots do everything. Um, right. I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to migrate to like robot uh, workforce management um, <laughs> like right. software. Like that's right. that, that's what I think about, right? Like if the workforce goes away, then you don't want to be in workforce software, right? Like that's right. that's uh, right. but that's you know that's a that's a fifty year hundred year yes. trend. Um, the ten to twenty year trend is this will be an incremental thing that we're gonna we're gonna all witness, um, and and probably twenty years from now we'll be talking about you know, oh, wow, we're starting to see some professions that have changed as a result of this, but it's not going to be mass scale and, and everybody's just got to chill out. I mean, yeah, it, yeah work is very to... resistant, right? People, people need a sense of purpose. And when I start hearing about Zuckerberg talking about uh, universal base, universal income, income, which, which, yeah, which has some, on. has, right. yeah, I mean, it has some uh, uh, value, I get, because there's, there's going to be some jobs eliminated uh, completely, no question about it. The low-hanging fruit always gets eliminated, right? Um, that's this happened when we went from agrarian to industrial. Um, it's what happened. Well, when, but whenever, whenever when there's destruction like that, there's creation. Them. Whenever when Zuckerberg figures out how to stop the Russians from from uh, hij hijacking his users and making them yeah. think news is is real, um, then maybe we can we can believe. Yeah, that why don't you tackle that first? Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. You know, but it's interesting from a business model perspective. Um, you know, the, I had one um, internal recruiter say to me that they talk about this, and he's in a very big company, and he said, but you know. It's even if let's say you get these incredible capabilities for someone like Bullhorn. I mean, you know, you know this better than anybody. It's all about how many users you have. So, for most companies, the value is created in very discrete intervals, right? Um, but in our business, where you only need the quote service. Um, for most companies, just bef just during a hiring spree or just before the job, it's not like a SaaS where you're using it every single day. It's a must-have. Everybody's in it all the time. Um, I, I think they're going to find from a business model perspective, there's two problems. One, how do you price this when we don't use it that often? Uh, and two, you mentioned it earlier, there's an inherent bias because the, the whole idea of artificial intelligence and I'm embarrassed to even say this to a, a, a technologist like you, but I've read enough about it to believe it, where they say there's a, there's a basic problem with recruiting artificial intelligence because artificial intelligence is built on patterns. 
it just replicates patterns. That's how it gets smarter. That's how that phone gets smarter. It replicates patterns. And if you're replicating patterns, guess what? It's going to find you the same candidates over and over again. So it's very hard for companies to then say, we want new blood. We're going in a new direction. We want new growth. It's fine to have those plans, but your AI recruiting platform does not support that. It just repeats the patterns you already have. Similar to the way I marry women. Well, they, uh, it's just repeating patterns yeah. that don't work. You know, so that, there's, an, that, there's some that's business model problems. Right. Yeah. yeah, that's absolutely right. You agree and, with that. And okay. I'll go a step further and say that um, it, we, we, we could really do – I've been looking at that resume mat, job matching technology for like 20 years, almost 20 years now. That's been my life. And every yep. two years, somebody comes to me and they're like, look, we have this awesome search engine and it's using – you know, whatever the buzzword of the day is. And now it is, you know, we've, we've used TensorFlow and, you know, artificial intelligence, machine learning, and it uses pattern recognition and you train the brain and that's great. But um, how many times have I hired somebody that had no business getting the job because I sat with them and they told me about something that wasn't on their resume that was really compelling and their EQ is off the charts and they've demonstrated that they can learn. And so therefore I give them the job, even though the job description said they need an MBA. Right. This, yeah. they need that. It's like, it's, it's what's not on the resume and what's not in the job description that typically wins the day. And until people stop putting crap on in job descriptions that they don't need and until res, you know resumes are truly accurate reflections of the people there there's no technology that can help with matching you know like maybe technology like if you could develop technology that would actually would actually simulate to a hiring manager okay here's a candidate who has nothing to do with what you described but i think they could do the job that you described to me um, would you hire this person? And uh, yeah, okay. Like, yeah, I would hire that person. Like, all right, I'll go find you that person. But like, we're so far away from that. And I, I don't know that that problem, you know, people love to lie about their experience. So I just don't know that that ever goes away. You know, people love to, you know, but my favorite is like the candidate who applies to the job and it's like, oh, they need an MBA and they need 10 years of experience. And it's like, yeah, but wait till they meet me. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, there's a magic. There's a magic to the. There's people know how to interview, and people know how. It's like I, I smiled when I read that eHarmony was starting its job uh, site, which I think is called Elevated Careers. Um, and in a way, I'm like, of course, everybody's getting in because it's a great job market. But in a way, I get what they're saying because there is this sort of that's like you said, it's the matchmaking. That I mean, I I bought my first house on. I'm saying to a hiring authority, look, I'm going to send you Art's resume. You're not going to like it. It's not anything that you wanted, but I met the guy. Dude, you will hire him if you meet him. I mean, I bought my first yeah. house on that. That's yeah. like how the business works, right? And, and you know, and just in general, the recruiting has been sort of stubborn to replace. It's always been from a distance, very easy to destroy for technologists. And then they get involved and they go, oh, this I thought this was just get a database full of resumes and then they wouldn't need recruiters, but we're, uh, we're fairly stubborn. So let me ask you one last question and then I'll let you go. Cause you've been so gracious with your time. But if I'm an owner with, you know, five recruiters or 10 recruiters or a big office like mine, is there anything we should be doing different? I mean, here's what I guess I get asked a lot. 
So what do you see two, three years from now for the to, re, to replace, if it replaces at all, the typical the typical uh, man or woman going to your Bullhorn Conference every year has um, uh, as many good senior recruiters as they can, generally supported by some sourcers, um, maybe some you know data entry people or what are now called recruiting assistants. Um, the obvious thing is to say, oh, well, the individual recruiter won't need that support anymore. Someone else might say, you won't need the recruiter, you need to support people. Well, what do you see as the actual hierarchy of a successful search firm, given what's coming in technology? I think the number one thing that that people need to do is to stop assuming that uh, a technology experience like a chatbot is a is going to actually be a poor candidate experience. Because what we've found is that talent actually really likes it. Um, and the firms that embrace it and figure out how to work it into their process, you know, however it is, right. Even if it's just as simple as like putting a chat bot on your website to have a stupid little conversation about their career, like why, Hey, why are you here? Um, you know, what can I help you with? Can I, you know, can I connect you with Danny? You know, Mm -hmm. Danny would love to talk to you. you. You don't have to, you don't have to do a lot, but I think you have to dip your toe in the water because, um, I believe that that those technologies are going to work. They're not going to work gotcha. for everything. Like I don't know if I don't know if exec search uh, is going to go there in the next two years. But you know, I could see that if I were looking for a job and I were on an exec search website, like let's say I had been searching for three months and I wanted to you know, get some information that wasn't on the website and the chat bot popped up, I would probably talk to it. Because who cares? Right. You know, I've got nothing. Right. I've been searching right. for a job. My wife's like, what are you doing? Right, like that. Yep. That. Um. I think people have to accept that 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 is going to be how people want to interact, as opposed to like, oh, that's a negative experience. It's 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 actually a positive if used the right way. And the faster you get facile with it in in your business and how it relates to to you know your customers, your talent. Uh, the better you're going to be able to adapt as, as the technology evolves and gets better and better and better. And, and the, the people that, that sort of cling to, you know, well, we're going to work the phones until we die. Like you might actually die like that. Yeah. You can find yourself uh, yep. in that situation, but yeah. So and they don't, and they don't understand, you know, they don't understand the, the joy of reinventing yourself. That's a, I get so many scared people that call and one of the reasons why I wanted to talk to you is because I remember when you, you uh, added Bullhorn Mobile and I remember when you, you had the VMS integration and you've just never been afraid once you've identified where it's going and separated the imposters and the amateurs from what's really going, then you put time, energy, resources, money. You know, it's funny, you, you, you talked about how in the beginning, it's like, we don't want anybody to see our office. But I also remember when I saw um, Bullhorn uh, in, in Boston in the big office and all the developers, and I was like, why would anybody use anybody else? These guys, if something changes, these guys have the power. Um, but yeah, people are afraid, and they always they always like pull the, the blanket up over their eyes, and and I always tell them, you know, this book Future Shock that Alvin Toffler wrote in the early '60s, which was such a mind-boggling book. He wrote about how um, there would be test tube babies, 
And people took the book out of libraries because they thought it was scandalous and ridiculous and horrible. Well, now insurance pays for that. You know, so, I mean, the future right. is coming. Why not, why not en embrace it and say, I'm going to, so I tell people all the time, I'm going to continue to have the biggest badass search firm I can. And I'm not afraid to say it doesn't look anything like the firm I built 30 years ago or the firm that we had 20 years ago. Some universal principles will apply because people are people, but how we do what we do is gonna change. And why isn't that cool instead of being so terrifying for people? You know, and I think it's gonna give people a lot of solace to know the guy that's got the most in, uh, uh, invested, you are embracing it and, and not thinking this whole world is gonna go away in five minutes. Yeah, I, I agree, you gotta just, you got to evolve as the market evolves and i guess you know people get to a certain point and they're like you know what i kind of made the kind of money that i wanted to make and now i'm comfortable and i, I want to stop but the way you got there was you responded to customers you responded to opportunity and there was probably somebody who was stuck in their way that was servicing your customer in a in a way that was poorer than the experience that you were able to provide and that's how you got there it's like so compete with yourself right compete with yeah. The, yeah. The, the compete with the you of last year and you'll be fine and you know that way you'll thwart the you know you mentioned to me like there's got to be people you know gunning for us all the time i mean yeah i i meet every conference i go to i meet entrepreneurs and they're like they're like we're going to take you down man i'm like good for you <laughs> and i'm going to i'm going to watch you and i'm going to make sure you don't you know like exactly that's how it works if you're on to something you know like great like but you know if you don't respond and you just sort of try and nail down the tide as it goes out to sea like good luck See, I look at it the other way. I've had so many speakers come to me and say, I'm going to be the next Danny Kale. And I'm like, I'm like finally, thank God. Um, <laughs> please take right. over. All right. Last thing, I, I, can't, I can't let you go without um, just mentioning this because as a lot of people know, uh, who follow my work. I've, I've been in the Big Brother uh, program for 10 years and uh, done my best to screw up not just my employees, but the young people um, who I've worked with. Um, but along with being... Uh, an extremely busy, innovative guy running a very huge organization that he built from scratch. Uh, Art also uh, uh, runs a company called the Career Collaborative, which helps uh, unemployed and underemployed people to build careers and strengthen their families. How you find the time to do that, my friend, I have no idea, but it's such awesome work and uh, just mad respect for that. That's uh, that's important. That's awesome. Yeah, th thanks, Danny. It's uh, it's rewarding. You know, like um, being in the recruitment industry and then you can you, you can go and help somebody with their career who's like, it, as you know, most of this is like a confidence game. If somebody yeah. has confidence, they'll get a good job. And if somebody has confidence and they have somebody supporting them and telling them they can do it, they, they surprise themselves. And the same thing's true with with folks who are you know, working a shift at McDonald's and they think that's the best they can do. And that's what a job is. And then you, you say, you know, you can go get, you can go get a, a, a customer service job at Fidelity. They don't believe you. They're like, look right. at me, no way. Right. right. You know, I'm a single mom. I'm like, you know, I, all I've done is, is, uh, you know, is, is raise my kids. The Fidelity's not going to hire me. And then you say, no, actually you'd be surprised. You're, you're better than half the people they have working there because you, you're responsible, you've proven you, you can raise 
kids and you're organized and you got your kid into college, like go tell that story. And then they get the job and they're like, Oh my God, you've changed my life. And that's, yeah, it's, that's what it's, it's all about. So, so rewarding. Yeah. And so for me, like I, you know, providing the technology, I, I, I was removed from the rewarding part of this, this industry. And so like career collaborative was a really awesome way for me to, me to get some exposure to it, um, to, to the good stuff. So, um, well, it's I've, a great, I've it's a great it. symmetry to the beginning of our conversation because artificial intelligence is going to have its way and it's going to impact things and we have to deal with it. But, you know, you know, now, not just from Volhorn, but from career collaborative that the reason why our work is so important is because dignity is important and work brings dignity to people. And, uh, I honestly don't know very many people that have had as profound an impact um, on the dignity of work as you have with your 600 employees and your incredible nonprofit. So I admire you, my friend, and I really appreciate you taking the time. Thanks very much. Uh, thanks, Danny. It was, it was great. Right.